Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. My name is Jonathan Snowbell, and I will be beginning teaching Sefer Bimidbar, the first half of Sefer Bimidbar. This shiur will be an introduction to Sefer Bimidbar, and hopefully we'll begin studying Parshat Bimidbar as well. In order to understand Sefer Bimidbar, we have to understand its context. The context of Sefer Bimidbar seemingly would involve turning a page back in our Chumashim, to the end of Sefer Vayikra. However, if we jog our memory to the end of Sefer Vayikra, the reward and punishment, the Hilchot of Arachin, there doesn't seem to be any continuity between the end of Sefer Vayikra and Sefer Bemidbar. Thus, we must turn to the end of Sefer Shmod in order to understand the context of Sefer Bemidbar. Sefer Shmot at the very end, in chapter 40, in fact, ends as an introduction to two books. Sefer Shmot ends with the glory of God in the form of a cloud coming down and settling and filling the Mishkan. This makes Moshe unable to enter the Mishkan. When is this problem solved? The problem is solved in the beginning of Sefer Vayikra. Vayikra el Moshe, vaydaber Adonai elav me'ohel mo'ed lemor. God calls out to him and invites him into the Mishkan. Thus, Sefer Shemot is an introduction to Sefer Vayikra. However, that is not the end of Sefer Shemot. Sefer Shemot ends by describing <clears throat> that when the cloud would lift up from the Mishkan and travel, Bnei Israel would travel with the cloud and the Mishkan would settle in the place where the cloud had now settled. The Mishkan is about traveling. These psukim relate to Sefer B'midbar. Sefer B'midbar, in, both in chapter 9 and in chapter 10, describe in great detail that when the cloud lifts up and travels, so too B'nai Israel and the Mishkan travel with the cloud. This stresses another difference between Sefer Vayikra and Sefer B'midbar. While Sefer Vayikra is focused on laws, Moshe, the receiver of the laws, Sefer B'midbar, focuses on B'nai Israel. Sefer B'midbar is the story of the nation traveling through the desert. This can be highlighted in one additional point. When B'nai Israel eventually travel, it says, Vaisu mehar Hashem. They travel from the mountain of God, in other words, from Har Sinai. If B'nai Israel are in, at Har Sinai, why does Sefer B'midbar open with the words, B'midbar Sinai? Once again, this goes to the point that we are no longer in the form of the place where Bnei Israel are receiving the Torah, Har Sinai. Rather, we are in Midbar Sinai, the place through which Bnei Israel are traveling. We will now turn to the outline of Sefer Bemidbar. There appear to be three distinct parts to Sefer Bemidbar. Chapters 1 to 10 can be, can be characterized by the name Midbar Sinai. The, the desert of Sinai. This section deals with the census, organizing the camp towards traveling to Eretz Israel in a, both a technical and a halachic sense. Chapters 11 to 19 can be characterized by the name in motion. This section deals with the sins of the generation that left Egypt, 38 years of silent wandering through the desert, and finally their demise in the desert. 
chapters 20 to 36 can be characterized by the name Arvot Moav, the new generation that will enter Eretz Yisrael travels and battles until reaching Arvot Moav, and a new up-to-date census and halachic preparations for Eretz Yisrael. Another alternative division can divide Sefer B'midbar into two sections. Chapters 1 to 19 relate to the generation that left Egypt and met its end in the desert, including Census 1 in Parshat B'midbar. Chapters 20 to 36 deal with the new generation that will enter Eretz Yisrael, including Census 2 in Parshat Pinchas. This second division is reflected by a Midrash in Breshit Rabbah, mentioned by the Nitziv, Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, the famous Rosh Hashiva of the Velazhen Yeshiva, in his introduction to Sefer B'midbar. On the Pasuk in Breshit, Vayavdel Elokim ben Haor uven HaChoshech, and God separated between the light and the darkness, the Midrash comments, Ze Sefer B'midbar, Shehu Mavdil ben Yotzei Mitraim uven Ba'e Ha'aretz. This is the book of B'midbar, which separates between the generation that left Mitzrayim and the generation that goes into Eretz Yisrael. Other options of division exist as well, and obviously one could subdivide every section into smaller ones, but these are two basic potential breakdowns of the Sefer. Three sections, or two sections. We'll make one special mention of the story of Bilam and Balak, with, which both in the Torah and in Chazal seem to have an extra textual status of telling an external story that doesn't exactly relate directly to the main story. The characters of Sefer B'midbar. As opposed to Sefer Vayikra, which is a stationary Sefer, it does not cover any time, and it is by and large a conversation between God and Moshe about the laws, with very little plot. B'midbar is about B'nai Yisrael, in movement with stories, and it covers a 39-year period. However, one must point out that of those 39 years, the first of them, the second year after the Exodus, and the final year before entering Eretz Yisrael, are related to. The rest are not related to, but rather are ignored by the Torah. Those many years of silence relate to one simple issue, the death of the generation that left Egypt. The story picks up once again in the final year with the generation that will enter the land of Israel. In this regard, Shmot, after the arrival at Har Sinai, Vayikra, and Varim transpire in one location each. They do not cover significant sections of time, as opposed to Bereshit and Bimidbar and the beginning of Sefer Shmot, which transpire in many locations and cover large periods of time. Sefer B'midbar, which begins in Midbar Sinai, but at the footsteps of Har Sinai, as we mentioned, is about the preparation to entering Eretz Yisrael. The camp is prepared. The camp is, surrounds the Mishkan, and this protects them from the dangers of the desert. We need a military operation, a military organization. We protect our families. This is not about how to capture Eretz Yisrael, because when we enter Eretz Yisrael in Sefer Yoshua, we hardly mention the formation of the Machaneh. The formation of the Machaneh seems to relate to the Midbar. However, there's another protection in the Machaneh. 
the Machaneh, the camp, is set up in a way not only to protect B'nai Israel from outside dangers, however, it is also set up to protect B'nai Israel from the danger within, the Shekhinah, God's presence that is within them. The Leviim have a purpose to protect B'nai Israel from the danger of living so close to the Shekhinah. When B'nai Israel enter Eretz Israel, there will also be the Shekhinah, the presence of God that will be within them, in the Mishkan, in the Beit HaMikdash. However, when they enter Eretz Israel, they will not be living in close proximity to that Shekhinah. They will be commanded to visit this place three times a year. But it is not in their backyard as it is in the Midbar. In the Midbar, B'nai Israel live in close proximity to the Shekhinah, and as we learn Sefer Bamidbar, this will be a danger that has to be protected from. This is the job of the Levim, as we will read as we continue Sefer Bamidbar. We will now begin reading the Psukim at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar. Vaidaber Adonai el Moshe Bamidbar Sinai Beohel Moed Bechad Lachodesh Hasheni Bashana Hashenit Letzetam Eretz Mitraim Lemor. Then Hashem spoke to Moshe in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting, on the first of the second month, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, by their families, by their fathers' households, according to the number of names, every male, head by head. From 20 years old and upward, whoever is able to go out to war in Israel, you and Aharon shall number them by their armies. With you, moreover, there shall be a man of each tribe, each one head of his father's households. These are the names of the men who will stand with you. Liruven Elitzur ben Shteur. To the tribe of Reuven, Elitzur son of Shteur. Leshimon, to the tribe of Shimon, Shalumiel ben Surishadai. Lihuda, to the tribe of Yehuda, Nachshon ben Aminadav. Lisachar, to the tribe of Yisachar, Netanel ben Suar. Lizvulun, from the tribe of Zvulun, Eliav ben Chilon. Livne Yosef, from the sons of Yosef, Le'Ephraim, from the tribe of Ephraim, Elishama ben Amihud, Limnasheh, from the tribe of Menasheh, Gamliel ben Pedatsur, Levinyamin, from the tribe of Binyamin, Avidan ben Gidoni, Ledan, from the tribe of Dan, Achiezer ben Amishadai, Le'Asher, from the tribe of Asher, Pagiel ben Ochran, Legad, from the tribe of Gad, Eliasaf ben Deruel, Le'Naftali, from the tribe of Naftali, Achira ben Inan, Ele Kru'e Ha'ida, Nisiei Matot Avotam, Rashi Alfei Yisrael, Haim. These are those who are called of the congregation, the leaders of their father's tribes. They were the heads of the divisions of Israel. Vayikach Moshe ve'Aharon et ha'anashim ha'ele asher nikivu b'shemot. So Moshe and Aharon took these men who had been designated by name. Ve'et kol ha'edai kilu. And they congregated the entire congregation on the first day of the second month. Then they registered by ancestry in their families, by their father's households, according to the numbers of names, 
from 20 years old and upward, head by head. Just as Hashem had commanded Moshe, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. What we read here in these opening psukim of Sefer Bemidbar is a commandment to perform a census. What is the purpose of the census? Rashi comments, Because of his love towards them, he counts them at every opportunity. When they left Egypt, he counted them. When they fell at the sin of the golden calf, he counted them to see how many, to count how many remained. And when he wanted to put his holy presence upon them, he counted them again. Therefore, since the Mishkan was established on the first day of Nisan, Therefore, on the first day of Iyar, he counted them. According to Rashi, the purpose of our census then is to count them in the aftermath of the establishing of the Mishkan when God's presence was placed upon B'nai Israel. Rashi here seems to imply that there were three censuses up to and including this point. One, when they left Mitzrayim. Two, after Cheta Egel, the sin of the golden calf. And now, at the point of the dedication of the Mishkan and God sanctifying His name on Bnei Israel. However, in Sefer Shmot there appears to be only one census. In fact, Rashi in Shmot, chapter 38, verse 16, relates and compares the census in Sefer Shmot after Chet Egel to our census at the beginning of Sefer Bemidbar, relating only to two, not three censuses. What does Rashi mean when he says that he counted them when they left Egypt? It's possible that Rashi refers to Shmot, chapter 1237, describing Bnei Israel leaving Mitzrayim. Bnei Israel traveled from the city of Ramses to the city of Sukkot. Approximately 600,000 men besides children. If this is the case, in fact, there were only two formal censuses till this point, after Cheta Egel, as commanded in Parshat Kitisa, and now at the beginning of the second month, as described at the beginning of Sefer Bemidbar. But this, the opening comment of Rashi does not refer to a census, but rather God, out of love, counting them. Mitoch because of his love towards them, he counts them at every opportunity. In fact, two of these countings were executed by a commandment to perform a census. One, however, was God himself counting B'nai Israel and giving them a number when they left Egypt. That being the case, whether or not this suggestion is correct, according to Rashi, the purpose of counting B'nai Israel in the census is A, out of love, and B, it relates to the dedication of the Mishkan. However, this 
the census is not mentioned in the context of the dedication of the Mishkan. The dedication of the Mishkan was mentioned at the end of Sefer Shemot. It's mentioned again in Sefer Vayikra, and again it, it will be mentioned later on in Sefer Bemidbar. But in our immediate context, there is no mention of the dedication of the Mishkan. Furthermore, if we look more close, closely into the commandment of the census, what we see is Miben Esrim Shanavamala, Israel. From twenty years and older, those who are going to go into the army of Israel. This seems to be a military census. Kol Zachar, males, Koyotsetsava, those who are going to the army. The Ramban, in fact, the Ramban Nachmanides, in fact, comments. One is not strong enough to fight in a military campaign less than 20 years old. The Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, takes it even further. Because they are now on their way to Eretz Israel, and the 20-year-olds are worthy of fighting in the army, therefore there is a need for a census. The Rashbam relates this to the eventual travel, where Moshe states that we are traveling towards Eretz Yisrael. So as opposed to Rashi relates this, the census to an event in the past, the dedication and the completion of the Mishkan, Ramban, and even more so Rashbam, relate the census to a future event, war and the movement to capture Eretz Yisrael. Another issue that we should focus on in these introductory psukim in Sefer Bemidbar is the topic of Ein Mukdamu Mu'char BaTorah. Literally, there is no early or late in the Torah, or a better way of saying this is there is no necessary chronology in the Torah. How does this express itself? If we look at the dates that are given quite clearly at the beginning of Sefer Bemidbar, we see the following. In the first Pasuk of Sefer Bamidbar, we are talking on the first day of the second month in the second year. In chapter 7 of Sefer Bamidbar, we read, biyom kalot Moshe mishkan. On the day that Moshe completed the, the establishment of the Mishkan, the date of this event, according to Sefer Shmot, is the first month of the second year. So that's one month earlier than the beginning of the Sefer. In Bamidbar Perak Tet, it says, Bashana Hashinit Bachodesh Harishon. On the second year, on the first month, there's no actual day given, but it's, com it's about the commandment of Korban Pesach, which means it had to have been the first half of the month. Later on, Pesach Sheni will take place. In the second month, on the 14th day of the second month. In Bemidbar Perak Yud, in the 10th chapter, we're going to read, In the second year, in the second month, on the 20th of the day. Returning us to the chronology at the beginning of the Sefer. From this point on, there are no more dates in Sefer Bemidbar until Parashat Chukat. So we have two questions we must ask. One is, 
why, why do the dates exist at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar so clearly? And why do the dates disappear at a certain point? And why are they out of chronology? The existence of dates stress an order. There's an order here. Everything is happening in an order. The order is necessary in the movement towards Eretz Yisrael. When the dates disappear, it is when the order fa falls apart, when the sins begin moving in. And that relates to the ultimate failure of going to Eretz Yisrael. The returns of the date in the 20th chapter, an iffy date, a date without a year, it's the, it merely mentions the first month. So, the return of the date in Perikaf, a date on the one hand, which stresses order, but without a year, which stresses disorder, is a middle ground. Perikaf is after the demise of the generation that left Egypt and the appearance of the new generation that will enter Eretz Yisrael. So there is a return of order. However, the missing year stresses that there still is a lack of order. It and that lack of order is due to the fact that Moshe and Aaron, the leaders of the first generation, still exist, and a new leadership is yet to be determined. Why the lack of chronological order? The events that are dated at the beginning of the Sefer relate to two months. The second month of the second year and the first month of the second year. The first month of the second year relates to the completion of the Mishkan. The Korban Pesach offered in the first month relates to the sacrificial obligations that tie into the book of Vayikra. By placing the second month of the second year at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, the month in which God commands the census, and the month in which ultimately Bnei Israel begin their attempted journey to Eretz Israel, this stresses that the main issue of Sefer Bamidbar is not the Mishkan as a place of sacrifice, as in Sefer Vayikra, but the Mishkan as the center of Bnei Israel's camp, which is traveling to Eretz Israel. We will conclude this year by relating to one final point in the section that we read. The order of the tribes. The order of the tribes will appear many times in these first opening chapters of Sefer Bemidbar, and in different orders each time. In this order, it seems to be very logical. It begins by the mothers in birth order. Reuven, Shimon, Levi is absent because he is counted separately. Yehuda, Issachar, and Zvulun. All of these are Leah's sons. Then it moves on to Rachel's sons. Yosef, who splits into Ephraim and Menasheh, and Binyamin. That leaves the four sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. Here it gets confusing. Dan who's Rachel's first son through Bilhah, he is a logical first choice because he is the firstborn of the four sons of, the, of Bilhah and Zilpah. But then it moves to Asher, who's Leah's second son through Zilpah. Then Gad, Leah's first son through Zilpah. And finally, Naphtali, Rachel's second son through Bilhah. The Chizkuni, Rabbi Rabbeinu Chizkiah Bar Manoach claims that Dan is the first because he is the first of the firstborn of these four sons. Asher is second because he is together with Dan 
in the encampment, which we'll read, read about shortly. Gad is third because he is Zilpah's firstborn, and Naphtali is last. Why is Naphtali not mentioned alongside Dan and Asher as they are all together in the encampment? This is an unconvincing answer. We're going to have to pay more attention to the order of the tribes as we continue reading Sefer Bamidbar. But to conclude this section, this shiur, we will do a quick review of what we saw today. We saw that Sefer Bamidbar is a continuation of Sefer Shmot. Sefer Bamidbar can be divided into three or two sections. Sefer Bamidbar is about the traveling of Bnei Israel. It focuses on Bnei Israel and not on the giving of the Torah and on Moshe Rabbeinu. We discuss the census, Rashi's opinion of the census, and in contrast, Rashbam and Ramban's view of the census as a preparation for work moving into Eretz Israel. And finally, we discuss the issue of the dates, why they are out of chronological order, why are there dates at the beginning of the Sefer, and why do they disappear? In the next year, we will continue reading about the census, the order of the tribes of B'nai Israel, and we will further discuss these topics.